to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 50 and today I want to talk about how can we promote a can-do growth mindset? Now this is something that I get asked about a lot and maybe you might not use the words growth mindset or can-do but in essence it's the same thing as as parents we often struggle with this sort of notion that we see our child so unenthusiastic, so lethargic about taking an initiative or becoming motivated or inspired to do anything. And we feel like we're banging our head against a brick wall, trying to encourage them to do all sorts of things. So this podcast really is, my goodness me, I've come up with eight strategies. So it's, there's a lot of information here, but what I really want you to be able to do is to come away from the podcast and be able to look at it and think, there's one thing that I feel that we can try. Now, children aren't inherently born with a drive or a desire to achieve in the same ways that we might look at goal setting and other things. Children are born with an inherent desire to play, to explore, to be inquiring. And sometimes we, through our parenting and Again, I say this with love, but we can sometimes sort of slightly nip that curiosity in the bud by some of the phrases that we might say and our tendency sometimes to jump in and fix things for our children. So if we want to promote a can-do mindset, we need to start looking at some of the language that we use as well as trying to encourage our children to slightly step out of their comfort zone. So just for those who maybe are new to me and have not heard a podcast episode before or are not familiar with this concept of a growth mindset. So let me just tell you a little bit about what this is and then we can plunge straight in into the into the strategies. Now a growth mindset was a term, well fixed and growth mindset were terms coined by Carol Dweck, a professor at Stanford University. And in essence what we're looking at it's how we how children but also adults growth mindset is something that's used in the adult world it's often used in an industry world as well in corporate companies so it's this notion that we have a mindset a way of thinking about things and that can take on either or it can either be a fixed mindset by which we tend to see talents and abilities as fixed innate you're either good at you're either a creative or you're not you're mathematical or you're not, you're good at music or you're not, you're sporty or you're not, you're a nice person or you're not. It tends to take the slightly dichotomous black and white, you're either in this category or that. And what's really important with the fixed mindset is that these talents, skills, attributes that we possess are fixed and unchangeable. Fixed mindset. Growth mindset is much more expansive in that ultimately it's a mindset that understands or believes that all attributes and skills are ones that can be learned. They're ones that are acquired and that they grow through a period of sustained application. Now, fixed and growth mindset are these two mindsets that specifically came out from Carol Dweck but there is work by Angela Lee Duckworth that also talks about this notion of grit and the two are linked and in essence grit is the ability to sort of maintain and sustain efforts on a particular activity or a goal over a period of time despite peaks and troughs and plateaus 
And what we know when it comes to growth mindset and when it comes to grit is that they're almost inversely correlated. So someone with a fixed mindset may well be someone who believes that they are particularly talented in in a specific area. And what we find with children who are particularly maybe they're deemed gifted and talented, is that they often evidence a fixed mindset. They believe that their talents are innate. And as a result of that, they typically don't have the same level of grit, let's say as a child who has a growth mindset, because their belief is that their attributes, their skills, their talents have come through their efforts rather than through something that they innately have. As if we're trying to promote a can-do attitude, if we're trying to promote an attitude where our children are being adventurous and are prepared to try new things despite inevitable setbacks, despite inevitable failures, that that can only come when we promote and encourage this growth mindset because actually failure is a natural part of learning. Whereas if you've got a fixed mindset, failure in lots of ways detracts from how you view and value yourself so that's that's the context of it so now let's look I've got eight strategies that I want to cover with you the first one the first strategy is about teaching our children about the brain and how it works now obviously the language that we use is going to be tailored to our child's age and their stage of development At the basic level, what we're trying to teach our children, and there's a resource for this that will be free with the podcast, is this essence is that the brain, like every other muscle in our, is a a muscle. Like other muscles in our body, the more we exercise it, the stronger it becomes. And that's really at that basic level. But what we can talk in a bit more detail is that we have neurons, which are the chemical messengers which signal and send messages from our brain to all other aspects of our body. And neurons are all over our body. They're involved in decision-making and thinking, but they're also instrumental in action and making things happen. And what we know is that these chemical messengers, the saying is, it's called Hebb's Law, if you wanted to know, neurons that fire together, wire together. So in essence, the more we practice something and that the neurons begin this domino effect, this chain reaction that happens again and again and again, because they have fired together so often, they end up wiring together and instead they then become rather than an A road or a B road, they become a super fast highway in that we move from the old kind of Wi-Fi to the fiber optic where the information, the messages, the signals happen much much more quickly and this is in essence what happens when children practice or when we practice as adults is that because we're training these neurons not only to continually fire together so that they can wire it then things become habitual they become a habit they become things that we do automatically and there are some aspects to our children's learning where things are done by rote times tables and certain aspects of spellings although obviously some of that will be phonetic But there are certain things that we do repeatedly that then help that. And so that's a really important message to get across to our children. Because if we're trying to help them create this can-do growth mindset, they need to understand that that's how the brain works. It's a muscle. We need to exercise it and it will become stronger 
and we will get more accomplished at something. But what that also highlights for them is that when we start something new and for the first time, it's going to be clunky. It's going to be awkward. We're going to have to think about it. And then it's going to take time. And one of the strategies that I often use with children when I'm talking about growth mindset or encouraging them to set goals is almost getting them to consider their brain and skills that they already have in as a traffic light. So initially when they're learning something new, it's like a red traffic light. They have to stop. They have to think about absolutely everything that they're doing. They're learning to ride a bicycle. They have to get themselves seated. They have to think about where their foot is, how they push off, how they then begin cycling, how they stay upright, how they steer. And what happens is once we've first started learning a skill and we've done it for a little while, it moves from green to amber. So maybe we might need to think about certain things before we get started. But once we're up and running, we're usually okay. And then green is something that is one of us, our neurons have wired together. It's become automatic. We don't need to think about it. We get on that bicycle and we just ride. And it's a really great way of understanding and making that connection. And we do have that as a free resource this week so that you can help your children understand what's in my red zone, what's in my amber and what's in my green. So we'll, we'll give that to you. So the first one is teach our children about brain and how it works. The second one is give them the right vocabulary and be consistent in using it yourself. So let's talk about things becoming that we need to practice things. Let's really stay super, super focused on talking to our children about the process of learning and that that's a skill that becomes acquired rather than the outcome. And that's a crucial part to how we can help promote a growth can-do mindset with our children because when we consistently praise and use vocabulary around the process and the effort that is placed into something then the easier it is for our children to understand that actually that's what matters not what the final outcome is so first one is to teach our children about the brain and how it works The second is to give them the right vocabulary and be consistent in using it. The third one is called the hard task. So it's actually asking our children to look at a task that might be specifically difficult. Maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's something that they put off. Maybe it's something they find difficult. But it's taking that hard task and trying to unpick it, trying to place it into small chunks, bite-sized chunks of how they might go about tackling that hard task so that they can make the first step. So it's breaking down something that appears really huge for some children that might be doing some maths homework. For another child, it might be auditioning for a school play. For another child, it might be around friendships or riding a bicycle or learning an instrument. But it's literally taking this task, this really large task that feels too mammoth to even begin to consider and we get into this whole fixed mindset well I'm not I can't do that I'm not good at maths I can't audition for a play I'm not good enough I don't know how to ride a bicycle to instead let's take this task let's dissect it let's put it into its constituent pieces almost like a jigsaw let's take it apart and let's work out what might be the first best step for me to make so teach our children about the brain and how it works give them the right vocabulary so we can be consistent around the importance of process rather than outcome. Take a hard task 
and begin to break it down into these constituent small pieces and work out where the best next step might be. The fourth one is quite an interesting one and I have stolen this one quite blatantly from the interview that I did with Stephanie Haynes. So if you've not listened to it, go back and listen to it. It's episode uh, 51 and I have got had so many light bulbs moments with this. And Stephanie talks about this notion that when our children... And we're talking about older children, but we the idea is that you can use this with any age child. But when older children are often asked about, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your career? What do you want to do after school? So they inevitably get those questions. You know, those awkward questions and you feel, oh my goodness me, they have no idea what they want to do. And actually, Stephanie said that one, a great way is to turn the tables on the adult and actually interview the adult. Just say, actually, I'm not really clear. I'd love to know. Tell me a little bit about what you do and how you got there. So one of the great ways in terms of promoting a growth mindset is actually to be asking, interviewing adults and asking them, what was the biggest challenge that you've overcome? What did you do? What was your greatest fear? What is your greatest achievement? And they can start, children can start really easily with this. They can start with aunties and uncles and grandparents. So it's helping them really turn things on its head and and learn by talking to the people that they love, who who surround them and are there for them, but really using them to try and find ways of expanding and seeing evidence of what this growth can do mindset. Just, oh my, you imagine... If you asked 10 of your closest friends about their greatest challenge, things that they've overcome and all of these adversities that they've been through and their greatest accomplishment, can you imagine the stories that would come out? And how inspirational is that for your children? Because they're not getting you lecturing or telling them about, you know, great auntie Mabel was this or great great grandmother why was a suffragette or that they were in the army in the second world war whatever it might be instead they're hearing things firsthand and the real challenges and they can begin to ask questions and their imagination becomes incredibly captivated by these things and okay yes we might need to help them think about how they might ask those particular questions and the format of it but it is such an incredible resource that I believe we completely fail to tap into. And as I say, Stephanie has opened my eyes to this particular thing. And I think we can use that rather than focusing in on it specifically for our older children that are beginning to work out what they might want to do with their lives post-school. We can use it with our younger children too and encourage them to interview adults. And they can do that equally with school teachers it doesn't necessarily have to be relatives it can be your next door neighbors but it's just getting our children used to asking those questions and then debriefing them afterwards what have you learned by having that conversation so i think that's a really brilliant one so we've halfway through our four so far are teaching our children about the brain and how it works giving them the right vocabulary and being consistent in our use of it specifically around praising the process And using language that's consistent with the importance of the process rather than the outcome. Taking a hard task, so the hard task, breaking it down to its constituent parts and looking at what might be the best next step. And then interviews with adults. And the fifth one is 
probably a, a sort of a, a gentler one in that it's just about seizing moments to teach and instruct. And that might be through inspirational movies, such as The Blind Side is a great one, Goodwill Hunting, Moana, Finding Nemo, the list goes on. But it's seizing those moments when we're having that connected time with our children, maybe watching a family movie or cuddling up on the sofa and watching one together. It's just about taking those opportunities to highlight, it goes back to being our consistent with the language that we use, but it's highlighting where these growth mindset aspects, where we see this in every day in these films and helping our children make that connection, that absolute determination of characters in some of these films and animated films so that our children can see, can understand, can unpick and see how that connects to our brain being a muscle, how it connects to growth, how it connects to practice, how it connects to these neurons wiring together. So that is number five. Teach them about how the brain works, give them the right vocabulary, focus on the hard task, interviews with adults, seize moments to teach and instruct. Number six, use problem solving language. Yeah. So for example, let's talk about what you've tried and what you can try next. And this is really particularly when our child is faced with a problem, is faced with a challenge, is faced with a setback. Let's just say, okay, well, let's have a chat about Tell me what you've tried and then from there we can work out what we might try next. So we're really approaching it from this rather than this fixed, I can't do that. We're modelling and we're using language that's consistent with the process of, okay, well, let's, let's unpick what we've tried already. Tell me, explain to me what you've tried. And from there, maybe we can then work out what we might try next. So we're using problem-solving language all of the time, which promotes that growth mindset. It, it, it's just simply a case of, well, we've got a bit of a challenge. It hasn't quite worked or this thing didn't work as we expected it to. So let's have a look at it. Let's talk about what we've tried, why, what happened, and then let's look at what we might do next. So number seven, the power of yet. I love this one and I will, you can honestly, if you ever bump into my children or I get to interview them again on the podcast, you can ask them because this was something that used to drive them insane, but it absolutely, eventually, it made such a big impact in them. So Carol Dweck talks about this idea of the power of yet. So quite often we get this, I can't do maths, I can't do algebra, I can't ride a bike, I can't audition for a play, I can't fly an aeroplane. The idea here is if we interject yet, because it's such a powerful word, when we say I can't do algebra, that state, that's making a statement that is absolute. I can't do it. It is something that states something about me and my character and is, a, is definitive. When I add the word yet, I can't do algebra yet, it takes the statement away from it being a fixed mindset statement of this is an inherent aspect of my skills and my competence and will not change. It is fixed. By adding the yet, it says that right now, in this particular moment in time, I don't yet have the skills, but I may acquire them still. So that's where we get this more of a growth 
that there is this power. And you may be listening to this saying, oh, for goodness sake, Maryanne, you are being massively pedantic. Really? Does it have that big an impact? My answer to you would be absolutely. The conversations we have in our head, what we say out loud about ourselves and our ability is instrumental in predicting the choices that we make and the behaviours that we choose. And it's exactly the same for our children. If we continually tell ourselves and our children continually have the narrative that they cannot do, they are not good enough, that is too difficult, that is not for me, other people are better, then it becomes self-fulfilling because our words create our reality. If we simply, if you, after listening to this podcast, only do one thing to help your children promote a can-do growth mindset, it would be to start with the power of yet. And the reason why my children have found it so frustrating was that I would simply, every time my children made a statement that was a concrete, absolute, negative and definitive of their ability, I would simply add the word yet. They would look at me and there were moments where I thought there was going to be some severe tantrums. But over a period of time, with being consistent with that, What would then happen is my children might say something like just, I don't know, I'm finding this chemistry really difficult. I can't do it. And I could give them that. And we all know that look that we can give them. And I would look at them and they would say, yet. So yes, it was begrudging. Yes, it was irritable. Yes, it was like, for goodness sake, my mother is a psychologist. Why do I have to do this? But actually, eventually, it became part of the conversation. It became part of the language they used. And it shifted. Now, this does not mean that by adding the word yet that our children are suddenly going to acquire a whole host of skills. Of course it doesn't. But if their starting point is always, I can't, then we're never going to get them to be able to view the fact that with a bit of practice that they can do something. If we can at least get them to entertain the possibility by adding in the word yet to these definitive statements that they make and to believe them, then we've got a starting point. Then we can do the hard task. Then we can unpick a difficult task to its constituent parts and then look at what our first first best step is. So it is so important. I know it sounds like I'm being super pedantic, but as I said, if you're going to come away with one thing only that you are going to use, make it be the power of yet. So we've talked about teaching our children about the brain and how it works giving them the right vocabulary and being consistent in our use of it around a process-driven language rather than outcome-driven. The hard task, taking something that our children are finding difficult and unpicking it into its constituent parts and helping them find out what might be their best first step. Interviews with adults is number four. Let them have fun with this. Let them ask adults Turn the tables, have the adults being interviewed and being asked about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Number five is seizing those moments to teach and instruct through inspirational movies. Number six is let's use problem-solving language. Let's talk about what you've tried and what we might try next. Number seven is the power of yet. And number eight, if you have not already guessed it, is model growth mindset yourself. Take opportunities to push yourself out of your comfort zone, to acquire new skills, to practice something, 
to use yet in the language that you use rather than the definitive exclamation that often happens for me. Oh, goodness me, I can't manage tech or I can't deal with this. I can't understand how this thing works on my phone or on the computer. So it's just being aware children are much more likely to do what they see than what we say. So it's modelling that growth mindset and creating opportunities for us and for our children to see us flexing those muscles, that that brain muscle and practising something and acquiring a new skill. So my give this week is going to be the brain template. So this has this is all about the red, amber and green so that our children understand those different areas and that their brain is a muscle. But we will, you will also get my usual checklist. But obviously this time it will have the eight strategies with the space to reflect underneath. So as usual, it will serve as a reminder and also a tool to practically use. As usual, head over to my free resource library, drmaryhand.com forward slash library, where you'll find the link to download the resource. All you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's resource, but all the other free resources across all my podcast episodes. As ever, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So until next time. (music) 